It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Alright, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast Here in a very empty and quiet TD Garden It's amazing what happens when they don't have to break it down for a Bruins game Celtics beating the crap out of the Charlotte Hornets, final score was 119-103, but that was thanks mostly to a seriously garbage-time fourth quarter where the Hornets outscored the Celtics 36-25. It was up to like 33. 33 was the Celtics' biggest lead in this game. Uh, we are the Rain Jays. I am John Corrales, joined by Samuel Jamison Packard III. Ahoy hoy. Otherwise known as... Ladies love Cool Jam. Yeah, bring that one back. (laughs) Uh, Lots to get to. It's a blowout, so we're going to have a whole lot of junk at the end of the show. Some craziness just throughout this game. Uh, We'll talk about Tatum, Rozier. Rozier's passing. Hello. Uh, Gordon Hayward caught a successful alley-oop. That was fun. Marcus Smart doing crazy Marcus Smart things. But we'll start here in our first segment with the return of Al Horford and Marcus Morris. Jam, it turns out... Good players are important to have. Yeah, it turns out when you have uh, actual large men, uh, men who are taller than 6'8 on the court, yeah. uh, who are very talented and can shoot and spread out the floor, the offense looks better. Um, I thought they both made a, a pretty big impact tonight. Um, Marcus Morris did a really good job of, uh, I think, attacking the rim, especially early. And then you can just see how much more fluid the offense is with Al Horford just getting paint touches, just post like. I know the post-up isn't the most efficient shot in basketball, but getting the ball to Al Horford on the post, just for him to make passes, is a part of the offense that the Celtics did not have in his absence. And he just did a lot of things. I thought they, the ball movement was um, crisp tonight. And just you can just see how the defensive collapse when he's when you get the ball to him on the inside. And he's he's a very willing passer. And in fact, probably more willing to pass her than I want him to be at some points. But he's right. always looking for guys on the three-point line. And it's just... The offense just looked so much better uh, just in terms of passing, and I think that's contagious. Once you start off uh, passing the ball well, everyone else, they got a little pass happy there. They had one crazy sequence where Smart was just throwing crazy passes. <laughs> I don't even know what happened in the play. I think it ended up with points, but um, no, Horford makes a, a huge difference, and so does Mook. Um, they just, with better players, it turns out when you don't have to play Robert Williams uh, for 25 minutes, where a guy just clearly doesn't know what he's doing out there. It's generally a good thing. Right, right. As much as we love the Time Lord, there's a time and a place for him at this point in his career. Down the road, we love him. He's going to be great. I have very high hopes for him in the future. Let's, But it is what it is. And Al Horford out there, Brad Stevens said it after the game, the, the settling presence of him 
Uh, and he did mention Aaron Baines, who, you know, it's a shame that he's out. But the settling presence of him and Marcus Morris, it's the exact same thing we've been talking about with these guys, especially Marcus Morris. When things aren't going well, you can count on these guys to do something to, first of all, calm things down. There's, there's, in basketball, we always talk about speeding things up for the other team. When you can get these guys playing too fast, that's when they make mistakes. And when the Celtics need to be settled down, when the other team is successful in getting them to play too fast, those are the two guys. And like you said, the paint touches, post-ups are a great way to get the paint touches. I'm a big proponent of the post-up, and as much as it's been phased out in today's modern NBA, it hasn't been eliminated. It's just not the focal point of an offense. You don't have to post up to score just to like to change the the attention of the defense a little bit. That's it. The the ball has gravity. We love to say that. The ball has gravity. When it gets closer to the basket, the more gravity it has, the more people pay attention to the ball, especially when Al Horford has it on a post where he has the ability to score. If he can, if he wants to, he can back guys down. He can he has an array of moves that he can use to score, but he's such a good passer that I I love when the Celtics run the offense through Al Horford in the post. Cut behind him, get pop guys open for three. I think it's great. So having him back is just a huge, huge thing for for the Celtics. And he finished with uh, five assists tonight. One of three Celtics or five, four different Celtics had five assists. Uh, we'll get At to least. Terry uh, later. Uh, he had led the team with six, but Kyrie and Marcus Smart um, also had five. And it just the the passing was that much more dynamic in. The thing about Horford and Mook is they they provide size, uh, which the Celtics were definitely lacking. They they won the rebounding battle rebounding battle forty seven to thirty seven tonight and got eleven offensive rebounds, which is not something you normally see the Celtics do. No, um, but they also space the floor in a way that it just makes it easier for drivers. And I think we saw that early uh, with Kyrie Irving coming out. Uh, I mean, he, he did some classic Kyrie fu threes, but early on, I thought just like <laughs> p- coming off some screens and attacking the rim, Kyrie was clearly aggressive, and it's. I mean, it's got to be more uh, easier to score with just the when, with that much spacing. Yeah, well, Marcus Morris, I think, took advantage of Kyrie's aggressiveness. Marcus Morris, uh, the final numbers for Mook were twelve points, a plus twenty six, which is it makes sense. Six rebound, eight rebounds. I'm sorry, five of ten shooting, two of four from three. But the big thing was ten points on a perfect four of four, two of two from three. In the second quarter, when the Celtics really broke it open, they they outscored Charlotte 39-21 in the second quarter, and that's when they really took over. And I think a lot of what Marcus Morris was doing came off of Kyrie Irving's aggressiveness. uh, Brad Stevens was asked about it after the game, and he talked about Kyrie's focus on coming out early, getting those early shots to put the pressure on the defense. Uh, It's something that Jay King keeps talking about. Get those early shots. Be aggressive early. Because when Kyrie is going off like he did, uh, the first half numbers for Kyrie Irving, 23 points on 8 of 10 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3. Now, obviously, he's not going to shoot 80% from the field, but the attack, the threat of him scoring really draws a ton of attention, and then that's when everybody else can get going. I think sometimes Kyrie likes to get other guys going first and then try to get him and what we're seeing is maybe the other way around is the best way for him to approach it. It's funny because after the the great team meeting of uh, 2018, <laughs> uh, one of Kyrie's quotes was talking about how some guys are playing a little selfishly. And um, 
he came out of the game and played a little selfishly and just like uh, got his shots. And I, we, you just mentioned how beneficial it is for the team, but it's just funny to see him come out and take his first five shots of the game and make them all. But it, I laughed. I'm sorry. I laughed when I saw like the second shot of the game was a free throw line jumper with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. And I was like, after that team yeah, meeting, exactly. that shot is what he takes. But that is, that was a shot that was in transition. And that was, it, it's funny that that, the, in a micro, uh, like in a vacuum, that was the shot that he took. But in transition with everybody kind of moving around, it, that early shot was actually something that is encouraged, but it was it, funny. Just to see the stuff that he was doing after the, oh, I fall into those traps too sometimes. Yeah, well, he also said uh, he can do anything he wants on the court at any time, and uh, <laughs> including knock down, um, pull up jumpers from the mid-range. But I think in that second quarter, I mean, Kyrie comes out in the first quarter and uh, scores 17 points. Um, in that second quarter, you really had, um, it felt like the Hornets were just like in rotation and scrambling every single possession. And a lot of that came from, they really went on their, Actually, the Celtics like built up a ten point lead um, on some not great possessions that just kind of ended up uh, uh, decent for them. But uh, they extended it from about ten to to twenty in the late in the second half when Kyrie checked back in, and it's like he's getting a lot of attention. And then he drives, passes, and then the Hornets were just in rotation, and the Celtics were just ping, ping, ping around the outside, knocking down a lot of uh, open threes. This, I mean, I thought the Hornets did a decent job of really trying to. Um, close out hard on them but that's when we saw um players like mook do one pump fake and uh get to the rim and so uh if Kyrie is the the focal point and he's everyone's focusing on him after going off in the first quarter it really opens up the game for the rest so he needs to be more selfish i think that's that's jay king's point but i think it actually uh, ends up benefiting the team if all the attention's on Kyrie. it was almost a shame that this turned out to be a blowout as much as it's nice to see the celtics come out and blow out a team but the First half Kyrie Kemba shootout was really starting to be a lot of fun, especially in the first quarter when it, it was uh, still a three-point game and those guys were, were really just going back and forth. I thought we were in the, in the midst of a 40-point versus 38-point shootout. Didn't turn out that way. Kemba Walker, uh, what was his final? What were his final numbers here? 21 points on 8 of 15 shooting, but he had... 18 in the first half, so they really shut him down in the second half and didn't play much. Uh, Charlotte Hornets are a much different team when Kemba's not going for 60. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a totally di- uh, different dynamic. And pretty much, uh, like the way I saw it, anytime anyone, a Hornet other than Kemba Walker took a shot tonight, it felt like a, a win. Yeah. They, the Celtics won that possession. I mean, Jeremy Lamb had, I, I guess, 14 points, but he was 4 of 12. Nick Batum, um, Shout-outs to Nick Batum of five years ago who got that max contract. But <laughs> it's just every other player on the um, Hornets was not great tonight. Um, even had Michael Kidd-Gilchrist taking pull-up jumpers. Why would he, he had seven shots. That's just not something you're used to seeing. And so, I mean, I think the Hornets are just not that great of a team. And unless Kemba's going completely insane, they're not going to be winning yeah. many games. So um, it was easy for the Celtics to kind of get stops. And um, they actually ended up... Um, Oh, I thought they created more turnovers than that. But only the Hornets only ended up with nine turnovers. But I thought just the Celtics did a, a solid job on defense, uh, basically stopping Kemba and just forcing the other Hornets to try and do something, which now, they did not do well. The the nine turnovers, yeah. But the, what happened was in the second quarter, the Celtics had four four of those Charlotte turnovers came in the second quarter, and those all turned into eight points. That's 
they didn't have a lot, but it felt like a lot because they were in that critical run in the second quarter where the Celtics built that huge lead. The 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 Hornets really turned the ball over a bunch, and the Celtics took advantage of it. So uh, that's basically the story of the game. The story of the game is that Al Horford and Marcus Morris came back. Kyrie Irving was awesome early, and then everyone else took advantage. So we're going to take a quick break and come back to talk about the everyone else part because we still have to talk about Gordon Hayward's alley-oop. We still have to talk about Rozier throwing the alley-oops, Tatum, and Smart being in full Smart mode. So stick around. We'll get to that. Coming up next here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So it's the second quarter, and I'm looking down, and I look up, and I see Gordon Hayward gliding to the rim. And damn it, he caught an alley-oop. And I was so caught up in the alley-oop that it took me like two, three minutes to realize that Terry Rozier threw him the alley-oop. And I wasn't sure which was more impressive, that Terry Rozier threw him a successful, perfect alley-oop, or that Gordon Hayward went up and caught his first alley-oop dunk of the season um i think it's just it's the combination of the two um and the crazy thing is that brad drew that play up uh out of a i think it was a review of a loose ball or a what's it called when they uh, they clear path foul clear path that's the words i'm looking for yeah just out of that the hornets went to a a, that is such a tough time stopping the celtics they went to a two three zone for a while and the celtics uh really couldn't figure that out and that brad said after the game that was a zone lob but um, it's always good to see Hayward dunking. I actually thought he did was more aggressive tonight than I've seen him recently trying to actually get to the rim uh, and finish. It didn't happen. He got he drew two fouls and was 4-4 from the foul line in that first quarter. But um, just always, it's just good to see him dunking. I'm just waiting for him to just dunk on someone in transition. It's going to happen at some point. It's good. He's going to dunk on someone. I can feel it. It's yeah. just... He's progressing. He's progressing. There was, and I tweeted about this, there was a play... And it was also, I think, in the second quarter where Gordon Hayward went up. Now, from where we're sitting on the media side, we're on the by the Celtics bench at the end of the Celtics bench up in the quarter for for anybody who knows the guard in section twenty. So we can't I can't tell from the angle, but Gordon Hayward went up for an offensive rebound. He got up. Like that was the initial like flash of Oh, he oh. can jump. I thought Gordon I just, Hayward's athleticism is still there. I think it's like a mental thing at this point. I think it is. So 
That there was probably the highest I've seen him jump, and it was probably as high as I've seen him jump in any game film I've seen from him in Utah or anything like that. So the encouraging thing is that the athleticism is there. And as we wait for him to slowly come back, it's not that we're wondering if the athleticism will ever exist again. At least now, tonight, we see that it can exist. It exists. It's a matter of Gordon Honing Hayward it. now going to get it and, and feeling good enough mentally to go up and get that. And now I wonder, now Gordon Hayward also bolted out of the locker room, so we get a chance to ask him, but hopefully this is an opportunity now that that mental block could be gone. He went up, he caught an alley-oop, he landed, he's fine. Looked like the exact same play he hurt his ankle on. It's just, yeah, the same angle, all of that. Hopefully he now erases some of that from his memory, chips off a little bit extra from that that fear, whatever fear he might have, and and starts to progress. So that was awesome. Terry Rozier also threw an alley-oop. To uh, Al, Horford. Al Horford. Two lobs in one game. In one quarter. And then he also later hit, who did he hit? On Robert the, Williams. Oh, was it Robert? Yeah, it was Robert Williams. He hit, so Terry Rozier hits two successful alley-oops, perfectly thrown alley-oops, and, a, and he hits the roll man on a pick and roll. Like, what's happening tonight? I mean, team meeting, man. It gets everyone team to meetings. focus. And the That's return of talent. But no, but he did lead the team with uh, six assists tonight, and he certainly got uh, his chances. Um, oh, he was over four from deep, but I still thought he had a, a pretty solid game um, just getting into the paint, uh, scoring. And yeah, right. It, it, we've always, we've criticized him for his vision, but like, it's always nice to see him, uh, knock down the roll man like that. And then two successful lobs. Uh, the other player I wanted to talk about, cause I don't have many more, uh, Terry Rozier takes was Jason Tatum. <laughs> um, I thought he was the guy that maybe the, the Kyrie selfish comments were targeted at. And he had some, not his best game against the Bucks in terms of shot selection. Um, and actually, early on in this game, he threw a bad pass to Kemba, got taken out with about like the three-minute mark in the first half, and then didn't really return uh, until late in the second. Like It took a long, extended time on the bench. Yeah. And he came back, and um, I thought he had a very solid performance, especially in the third quarter, his movement um, off-ball, or he, there were a couple of repeated plays where he would pass it to Horford and cut to the basket, and Horford, of course, found him. Um, I just thought his his shot selection was uh, that much better. He was looking to pass and then moving after he did pass, and he ended up in the, uh, with 17 points and was pretty pretty wet from deep, uh, three of eight. But I just thought he, I think he got the message. We've seen him be a quick learner, um, but it's, uh, it was just good to see him uh, kind of be in the flow of the offense and then moving without the ball, uh, especially in the third quarter, was the most impressive part to me. Kind of reminds me of that Knicks game where he got pulled after that long t- that long two that he took. Uh, every once in a while, I think it's it, it's funny to just see the different approaches because I'm not sure some other guys would get pulled in that situation, but Brad Stevens with uh, Tatum being the second-year guy feels pretty good, I think, pulling him and not worrying about it. It's also, also think, the thing, like, when you have the depth with all the guys back, you have the luxury of being able to pull him. Sure. With yep. Without uh, Horford or Morrison, like, in the game, and you're just, you basically have to play Tatum, like, 35 minutes. You can't have this, like, teaching moment. And so the Celtics' depth um, really is, like, allows them to do that. Jalen Brown got, like, four fouls in, the, like, the first eight minutes of this game <laughs> and was basically, like, a non-factor, uh, came in and played some garbage time. But, like, that, the Celtics' depth is kind of, it's so much more on display when they actually have, you know, some of their big men. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's a good point. 
So Tatum, I think sometimes you got to send him a message, and this is part of this is part of the growth of these young players. Sometimes they're they're going to play well. Sometimes they're going to fall back into some bad habits, and they're finding themselves. Like Jason Tatum is is still finding his way in all of this. And as much as we want to think like he's just going to take incremental steps forward and he's just going to slowly project out to be awesome and, and no ups and downs, it's not like that. It's not a 45-degree angle on the chart. It's an up-and-down stock market-type chart, and eventually he'll get up to where he needs to be, but he'll have highs and lows, and he had both of those in this game. And it's just good to see that Brad can sit him down and he can snap out of it. So Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, I think, continues to do some good things. I thought he was really good uh, defensively and was being very aggressive and actually led to him getting some steals. It's the same thing that led to him getting some fouls. He still needs to he like figure out how to run a fast break yeah. and finish. Like He really struggled in the Bucks game with that, and tonight kind of was more of the same. He had it was a two-on-one, and instead of passing it, he just kind of kept it himself. That's and it. He was lucky Mook came in and finished it, but it wasn't – he's – He's not the best uh, playmaker, especially while dribbling. And that's it's it's just basically he runs a straight line down the middle, and he hopes his athleticism is enough to get him up over the rim. And sometimes it is. Sometimes he dunks on guys, but it's not usually. He doesn't usually dunk on guys in those situations. It's usually coming in from the sides, usually off of a half court player or a cut or something. Sometimes it's in transition, but most of the time in transition, I I probably have made this. I've said this so many times, I forget where, but. I compare him to that pitcher with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball at straight that you can time. If there's no movement, if there's no variation in the speeds, a hitter can just sit on it and and time it out and then hit it out of the park. Same thing with Jalen Brown on the break. If he's just going from one from the free throw line down straight down the middle, then there's you just sit there and you just wait for him to jump and you time it. And with the especially this season, this principle of verticality that they're allowing, you just jump straight up and you challenge it. If you just go straight up, they're not going to get the foul call. So he needs to be better at changing speeds. He needs to be very uh, better at varying his approach. He needs to be better at recognizing that on that play that you were talking about, he had Gordon Hayward to his right. Just give it up. And Gordon Hayward is such a good passer. If I was on the break and I saw Gordon Hayward off to my right, I'd be like, Thank you. Pass it and immediately Give rim run. And then just get ready for the lob because that's coming. And he wants to dunk it on people, and he would have if he'd given it up. Again, it's a it's a criticism, it's a repeated criticism, but it's also the the next step in his progression. He's also a young player. So even though it's a criticism and he, he's done some other things, it's great to see him get the steals to get out on the break. So that's a positive. He just needs to be better finishing the break. So we're going to talk Marcus Smart after the break. Yeah. And because that's going to lead us into some junk because I thought Marcus Smart was that the play I want to talk about is really, really funny to me. We'll take a short break here as the garden starts to wind down and random people take half court shots. Wait a minute, this dude's setting up for a half-court shot, and I think he's going to bucket shot this thing. What's he going to do? Come on, dude. I'm waiting for you. Bucket shot from half-court. Ooh, that was almost there. It was not that close. All right. (laughs) We're going to take a break. We'll be right back here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. (laughs) 
You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. So against the Hawks, when we were blowing them out, Vince Carter got an opportunity to dunk it, and Marcus Smart made a business decision to get out of the way. I figured it was a blowout. He saw a legend coming in. He wasn't going to get in on that poster. The blowout didn't matter to Marcus Smart tonight though I forget who was on the break for the Hornets but up 29 in the third quarter Marcus Smart still on the floor he went in for a chase down block and went crashing luckily past the stanchion everybody's okay but it is a classic Marcus Smart just you could easily give it up on the play just whatever just let it happen you're up 29 just whatever but he wouldn't. He just kept on going and, and went for the block. I think he ended up drawing on the foul there, but uh, Smarf being Smarf on that one. You know, he he doesn't know how to give up. Like, he if he's going to be on the court, it's just not like he's going to give maximum ever effort the entire time. And so he just had, like, another good game tonight, five assists, only at six points, but finished with a plus 17. I mean, all the starters were at least plus 17. It was that, that much of a blowout, but... Um, just a solid, he's always solid. And uh, the one thing to note is that the Celtics have not lost a game with Kyrie, Smart, Tatum, Mook, and Horford starting. Just uh, like just like the play, uh, Celtics in their <laughs> last playoff series with Perk uh, there, right. Celtics have not lost a game with uh, since they've been full strength and smart in the starting lineup. So it was a blowout here. We're uh, pretty much done with this. Seems like a great time for a junk drawer. Well, let's start out with the folks who've uh, who yeah the rain the and junk rain hashtag rain and junk hashtag. Um, so this is from Goose Daddy seventy six. Um, so Brad likened the closed door meeting to Festivus, <laughs> which is awesome because there was an area in grievances. Um, but Chris uh, or Goose Daddy seventy six asks, who do you have in a feats of strength, smart or combat semi? See, we were talking about this before the game. Uh, I. <sighs> See, Shemi's got the muscles. Smart does too. Smart's just crazy. I'm never going to go against. Is feats of strength? Uh, is that like hand-to-hand combat, or is that like those old competitions? Strongest man in the world that used to be on ESPN two, where it's like hold a barrel over your head for, and like on the beach and stuff. See, there's always Ukrainian dudes who are like <laughs> yes, seven hundred pounds. Yeah, you know, because uh, if it's that, I got Semi. That guy lives in the Ojale factory, and he just knows proper squat form. But in in the Seinfeld episode, it ends with something like, are you too good to, to fight your father or wrestle your father? So I feel like the feats of strength is actually like some sort of wrestling match in which I feel like Marcus Smart would do anything to win. I think this is probably like the a thousandth time we've said who's going to win in a fight on this podcast. It's like a favorite <laughs> question just because with all the guys on the team. Because we've got these big, 
Burly boys. I mean, Aaron Baines would still win. Aaron Baines would break his hand and then keep on fighting. So, um, get that club cast and start. If it's a fight, I take smart. If it's just a a strength competition for muscles, yeah, I think you got to go semi. Sure. Um, this is from Frycosis Guy. Two Tito lobs in a row. Cats and dogs living together. (laughs) (laughs) And then a, uh, a nice a gif from uh, that doesn't really translate to the podcast, but it looks to be from Ghostbusters. Um, this is from B. Patrick Quinn, uh, Gorman and Scal with some cringeworthy pregnant banter. Uh, I was not here for the I podcast. Didn't hear that. But I'll take your word for it. Um, this is a thing. Uh, apparently, Mike Gorman was creating his own weird Celtics Twitter nickname and trying to call Daniel Tice the is. And called him the is because that's how you spell his name. Yeah. Um, it seems like a little sweaty of a premise to me, but who am I to judge other people for nicknames? Mike Gorman's a legend. He is. Try it out. Yeah, he has the power of the broadcast. So um, I'll have to go back, listen to it, see how it works out. But um, it has it has a very sideshow Bobish kind of like uh, like die Bart die yeah, the Bart the. <laughs> Um, Scalabrini was apparently this is from Prof Drop trying out Vanilla Tice, which is a classic. Sure. Um, but that's all the nickname talk. Let me get to my own junk drawer, which I think <laughs> was, uh, I don't know if I was distracted tonight, but, uh, um. Lacking on the junk? Yeah. Uh, Lil Funk was here today in Christmas, uh, uniforms. I'm always a pro Lil Funk guy. Very big um, Lil Funk. They had some bits where it was just lucky giving out surprise gifts, but they were just like bad gifts, like Tupperware. And I thought that's just a classic goof. It's like, oh, we're going to give you a gift. And then it's just not that great. <laughs> it's just um, a lot of Lucky on the Jumbotron tonight. It seemed like they ran out of content and they just like gave Lucky a camera and he went out. Um, <laughs> another one was where they just guessed movies and Lucky would act out the scene, Christmas movies. Yeah. But the clue for Bad Santa was just him in a Santa suit holding a sign that said bad and then yeah. it pointed to him. <laughs> I was just like, that is, uh, that is lazy that's, right that's... there. Um. Other than that, I don't have uh, that much. Um, Robert Williams loves jumping. Uh, <laughs> he got another. Dun- he got some dunks. He got another block. Um, some goaltending. And then after the game, um, uh, Brad had some quote where he was just talking about how the everyone like the kind of how productive the team meeting was. Uh, and he said that this team is just filled with a bunch of young, transparent human beings. And <laughs> I, I thought that was just a nice turn of phrase. And I just wanted to shout out all the other young, transparent human beings out there for being honest with each other and just uh, just saying what they believe. I I want to take that literally. Like, they are literally transparent. Oh, here's a- magical people, like, behind the scenes. Speaking of transparent, man, uh, so I moved down to the lower level in the second half, and... Jeremy Lamb just looked upset the entire game. I don't know if it was like he was getting bumped by Jason Tatum. Maybe it was the fact that he was shooting terribly, but he just looked to have a scowl on his face. Maybe he just realized that he was Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, that's a that's another thing. Oh, the final thing on the jumbotron, it says Williams the third Williams, and it has the three sticks. Yes, which is weird for Robert, but not for it doesn't have it for Rozier. It doesn't. But eh, these are things I notice when it's a blowout in his thirty point <laughs> game. No, it's weird because. But was it you that tweeted? Uh, Jared Weiss tweeted it. Jared Weiss. So, yeah, uh, that Rozier has the three on the back of his jersey, but not on the Jumbotron. But Williams has the three on the Jumbotron, but not on his jersey. Now, I haven't really paid attention. Do they have more senior up on the Jumbotron? I think they do, right? They do. So who knows what goes into this? Uh, But um, we got Gino tonight. 
We did. That was fun. Always great to have Gino. Don't let me go on my Gino rant. I think it's uh, I think it's played out. Not the players care anymore. But well, that's I. That's for another time. Um, what really should be is Kyrie when the when the uh, bench players got it going in the fourth quarter. Kyrie did some cool air guitar, and whenever Kyrie pulls out the air guitar, you know everyone's having a good time. That's it, yeah. And then um, Yabu, oh, this was my best comment the whole night. Yabu was wearing a headband tonight, and with his two-tone hair, it looks like he's like recipient of a head transplant. <laughs> like the, top, <laughs> the top looks like it's a different head, and he's wearing a headband to cover up the scar. And it was uh, it was fantastic. He's ba- like, I think at this point, um, don't like... Don't come at me for saying this. I think his potential as a basketball player is somewhat limited, but he is the Celtics mascot. The whole team loves him. They like anytime he does anything good, it's uh they're just so thrilled and sometimes you just need yeah. that guy. He is he is a quintessential glue guy. He's yeah. the guy who brings the joy. He's always happy. He's always happy. Except for when his, you know, he thought his leg was broken, but that was the one time he wasn't happy, but he's generally a happy guy. He's generally joking around. You see him in practices, at shoot-arounds. Everybody's having fun with him. I agree. Like I don't know what he's going to become as a player. I think you're right that he might. I don't know how long he's going to be part of the team or in the league. I don't know. But for now, having him around, it's he has his moments. But like he had, he took a three. I know he was looking for that arrow dab. Like and everybody wants to see it. Like everybody in the, uh, on the on the bench wants to see it. I a hundred hundred percent agree on that. Yeah, and I uh, heard after the game, all, all all the teammates call him Gy. So I'm gonna start using that in my Gy. Yeah, Gershon yeah, okay. Yabusele. Yeah, yeah. I like that. You think Yabu would be easier, but no, it's Gy. See, it's I, I guess because it's an odd combination of letters because they they do have like you know JT and JB and all that stuff. It's like, eh, all right, just calling somebody their initials is, is kind of lame as a, a nickname, but G-Y is such an odd combination that I like it. It's different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, I'm just waiting for them to, we hear them calling uh, Robert Williams Time Lord, but that is yet to happen. <sighs> got to get that. Got to get that. Just from the, It's great to hear because I'm sitting there and I listen to the, the crowd you hear when Robert Williams checks in. Like, people are yelling Time Lord. We got to get the team. If if the team can start calling him that, it'd be awesome. Oh, speaking of overhearing things, some of my friends were at the game and they texted me and they said, "There's people behind us and they're talking about you." And I said, "Oh, hopefully good things." And they said, "Yeah, they said you made a really good point about something." And so, if you were sitting in section 302 of this game <laughs> in row three, shouts to you for uh, shouting me out. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, and I got recognized on the train the other day, which was a weird thing. I That's walked amazing. on the train, someone's like, jam, and I was like, yes, what have I done? <laughs> no, he's just a fan. It's weird. It's That's not, always I'm, fun. It's always good. Good times. I had a guy come up the other day, like, at the game. He's like, oh, my God, it's you. Like, come on. I'm not, like, <laughs> I don't deserve the, oh, my God, it's you. Jay was texting us for, like, he was at a party and people were recognizing him. This is amazing. People listen to this podcast. Yeah, thank you for doing that. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing that. I also really appreciate you guys subscribing. I also would like to appreciate myself for saying the word appreciate correctly and not like I just did. So, subscribe to the podcast if you're a new listener. And if you're a regular listener, again, thank you. And if you're in the garden when we're here, come say hi. Absolutely. Take a picture, whatever. Say hi. We'd love to you know, sneak us a beer because I can't really drink it in the media section. But, you know, if you disguise it somehow... Put it in a sippy cup. Something like that. Or, you know, borrow Marcus Morris's flask. Put it in a go-gurt. You know, something. (laughs) You know? Hook me up. 
I haven't watched this much basketball sober in my life. Joking, I'm joking. All right, subscribe, give us a good review, five star rating, and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.